Hey, you don't think Michael Myers? I never found his body. Yeah, but that was like 20 years ago. He was obsessed with Michael Myers. This is quite a love fest. I'll call up the head and feel warm. There's no way, Fitz. Just a precaution. Tomorrow's Halloween. You tell him to look for a guy with a cane and Alzheimer's. The guy would be younger than I am, okay? I was 15 when he killed his sister back in 63. Michael Myers. Yeah, right. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. It's glad to be back and to finish up the Laurie Strode trilogy of the Halloween series. And I've had a lot of fun talking some John Carpenter's Halloween and talking some Halloween 2. And it's great to see uh, you guys have made a huge impact. If you type in John Carpenter's Halloween, on iTunes, I'm currently sitting at number two when you type that in, which is excellent. I can't thank you guys enough. And then uh, if you type in Halloween, uh, Halloween 2, 1981, I'm sitting at number two as well. It's been excellent. Now, of course, if you just type in Halloween, it's a lot harder to find. I'm down the list because there's so many different things. But those two are specific to what I'm talking about. You guys are excellent downloading all that. Uh, it's been awesome to see. I'm so excited. And uh, just so you guys know, um, before I get into the movie and music news, you know, this is going to be H2O, the end of the Halloween um, the Laurie Stroh trilogy and then the next episode you get is going to be the remainder of the Halloween series where I cover 4, 5, 6, uh, 8 and uh, just kind of highlight a little bit on the Rob Zombie trash crap you know just kind of see if my thoughts have changed and where I see the rest of the series going and then after that uh, if you didn't know already there is a poll on the Facebook page. So if you are not a fan of the, if you're a fan of the show, but you're not a fan on the Facebook page, just type in Sweep Delay Podcast in Facebook. And under the questions tab, there is a section for you guys to pick what horror movies you want me to review because I have a couple free days coming up so I can probably get about two more episodes out before The Crow releases to you and that's going to be coming out to you on um, on Halloween Eve just to honor uh, the film The Crow. takes place on uh, Halloween Eve and then on Halloween. And, uh, and then from there... Uh, you guys pick what movies you want me to do. I have a whole list there. Uh, currently, Freddy vs. Jason is tie or is is leading, and behind that is Pet Cemetery. So if I were to do those two, that's flipping cool because those two movies are awesome. So you guys decide, and you can vote more than once. Feel free, and I'll give it a couple of days, and then I'll just say, okay, cutoff time is here. And then after that, we will see who the winner is because you guys are going to decide which one to hear. So it's going to be great, great times. And just keep in mind that, you know, every Halloween I'm going to be doing a a Halloween series. You know, I've covered Michael Myers because Michael Myers is my favorite. Next time around, I'll, you know, throw up another vote. Do you want to hear Jason series? Do you want to hear the Nightmare on Elm Street series? Final Destination. I mean, what do you want to hear? So every Halloween, I'm going to make it uh, the whole month of October. Just make it a, some sort of series. That's uh, it's going to be good times. So that's pretty much it that I wanted to talk about real quick, in case you didn't know. And uh, let's go ahead and get into some movie and music news. 
excited because today was the official release of the Avengers trailer now as you know I'm a DC man DC movies you know I mean DC is my thing Batman Superman it's all good now I do have to admit though the Marvel series has kicked out some amazing movies and I have enjoyed the movies pretty much and uh, I've watched movies on characters I've never cared for but I've enjoyed the films so therefore um, all those guys are in the Avengers trailer and uh, I'm pretty pumped for this film. Uh, I really like the conversation between Captain America and uh, Iron Man with Thor laughing at him in the background. It was pretty pretty cool. Uh, the trailer looks real good. Scarlett Johansson looks really good. Uh, I'm pretty flippin' excited and Dark Knight Rises, man, I'm telling you, it's going to have some pretty good competition. You know, I kind of figured that the Dark Knight Rises was a shoe-in to be the most financial successful film next year but with the Avengers coming down as good as the trailer looks I don't know man I really have no idea which one's gonna win whether it's Dark Knight Rises or uh, or the Avengers so if you have not seen the trailer just go look for it it's on QuickTime you know just type go into a movie site check it out it, it is flipping good all right also today released was Arnold Schwarzenegger Bruce Willis and Sylvester Stallone it was a picture of them filming The Expendables 2. I am super pumped for that. Uh, and the thing is, Arnold's only filming for about four days. Last time, he only filmed for a day, and the scene only lasted for a couple of minutes. But I'm figuring with four days, hopefully he'll get about 20 to 30 minutes of screen time. So hopefully, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping. And uh, the picture's really cool. You got, uh, they're, they're all kind of standing together, just smiling, uh, really cool picture, I really dig it a lot, and if you didn't know, the movie's also going to have Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Liam Hellsworth, it's going to be good times, and uh, I am pretty flipping pumped. Now, for the new Resident Evil film, uh, which is going to be Resident Evil Retribution, there's going to be a character named Ada Wong, pretty famous in the video game, and she's been cast by Lee Bingbing. And you'll probably know her from The Forbidden Kingdom, Detective D and the Mystery of the Phantom Flame, 
Snowflower and a Seeker fan. I mean, obviously the most important one would be uh, the Forbidden Kingdom if you've ever seen that. So she is going to be uh, Ada. So I took a pic, you know, I took a look at her picture and I was like, yeah, okay, I can, I can go with it. Pretty cool. So, and in other movie news, last week uh, Fast Five released on DVD and Blu-ray, uh, and I have to admit at Walmart it looks pretty cool. If you buy, there's like this uh, kind of a big box. Normally it comes with the Blu-ray, DVD, and digital copy uh, in the Blu-ray case, but Walmart has a special packaging where you get a big box that has the movies included. So, uh, you know, and keep in mind I did review Fast Five when I saw it in the theater, so I'm pretty flippin' excited that it's finally out on Blu-ray. But Justin Lind, who was the director of the past couple of Fast and Furious movies, uh, he was set to direct... Arnold Schwarzenegger in the new Terminator movie, but he is currently working on Fast 6 and Fast 7, because basically, their plan was, with Fast 5, they wrote a new three-part um, storyline of what they're going to do, and, you know, Fast 5, it's very rare that a number 5 is the best of the whole series, and I flip and love number 5, especially after the credits, the scene that happens is amazing, you're just like, oh my god, I can't believe that that just happened, which obviously is going to set the story for what happens in part 6. Um, so, uh, Justin Lin is, you know, working on that, and uh, he's hoping that by the time he's done filming that, and they're going to shoot it back to back, which is going to be pretty cool. So that way we don't have to wait flipping two to three years to get Fast Seven, and then after Fast Seven, they're done with the franchise because you know they just want to tell the story that they have written, kind of like you know the whole Dark Knight series, and that'll be it. That'll call it a day. So I'm pretty excited about that. So. We're hoping that Arnold and the rest of the team will go ahead and wait for Justin Lin, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. All right, so in music news, uh, this past week I was watching the VH1 special, the top, uh, it's like the top 100 of the 2000s, and uh, it, it was a lot of good songs I really agree with. So I got to the final 20, and I Beyonce was like in, in three of them. Uh, Britney Spears was in there. Um, we had uh, good old Rihanna's Umbrella, and they were talking about how that song is just so flippin'. It's annoying, but it's so good because it sticks in your head afterwards. So I totally agree with, you know, Umbrella was like, I think, number four, number five. And then Justin Timberlake was, was uh, number three with Sexy Back. I'm like, oh, seriously? This song sucks. I mean, he's made way better songs than Sexy Back, but that's just my opinion. But when we got to number one, I was like, are you serious? Number one was Beyonce's Crazy in Love. All right, that song, I just, I'm sorry, I can't stand it. It was just flipping ridiculous. I get the whole single ladies, you know, put a ring on it because that song is pretty flipping huge and everybody was saying how this should be number one. I kind of got that song, but Crazy in Love, I just, I just don't get that song. So, but for the most part, it's a pretty good entertaining watch if you, uh, you know, watch the hundred of them. Um, it takes a couple hours, obviously, but it's pretty fun. Um, Taylor Swift was nominated for Female Artist of the Year. And also, uh, Adele is currently leading the American Music Award nominations. And uh, and that's pretty much, you know, the most interesting... Oh, yeah, Rihanna. If you're a fan of Rihanna, she's revealed two album covers for Talk That Talk. And, uh, you know... It, you kind of, kind of, you kind of have to go pick and see which one uh, you like the best. Uh, Evanescence new CD came out today. Super pumped. Good stuff. 
really enjoy it. Chris Daughtry. I picked up the uh, the Arkham City uh, soundtrack, which had uh, an exclusive song by Chris Daughtry's band, Daughtry. Man, the song is amazing. I highly recommend you check it out. It's called Drawing, um, Drowning in You. Here's a little clip for you. So yeah, that is on the Arkham City soundtrack. Really good. Um, I, I recommend the album. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Adultery also has Renegade as his rock single. Um, you can't actually buy that one on iTunes. If you pre-order the album, you'll get that song uh, downloaded to your email. But Crawling Back to You is, uh, is his new single, which is currently on iTunes. So go check that out. Really good track. So that's pretty much it for movie and music news. Let's go ahead and get into the movie review of Halloween H2O. It's 1998 in a remote California town at a secluded private school. We could have a Halloween party, just the four of us. We could have a roaming orgy. I love the way this man thinks. No booze, no drugs, no kidding. One teacher is living in fear. I'm not who you think I am. I changed my name when I wanted to hide. Terrible. Take off your clothes. My brother killed my sister. <laughs> How'd he do that? With a really big kitchen knife. That's enough. I can't take it, Mom. He's dead. It's been 20 years. What's he waiting for, huh? Don't you think he would have shown up by now? This is a sick joke. <laughs> now. Come on! The face of good and the face of evil will meet one last time. But this time, it's going to be a fight to the finish. This summer, Terror won't be taking a vacation. Halloween H2O. Halloween, I guess everyone is entitled to one good scare. I've had my share. 
Alright, so it is time to talk some Halloween H2O. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably like, Mike, you just reviewed part one, you just reviewed part two, and why in the hell are you skipping to part seven? Again, as I was saying before, um, basically after part two, they decided that they were going to do a Twilight Zone kind of style of, of film series. And after part three was just not well received by fans and they brought back Michael Myers uh, we basically got Laurie Strode's daughter is the main star of those films played by Daniel Harris and uh, and she basically is the premise of 4, 5 and the beginning of part 6 and after part 6 you know it just wasn't really not a lot of fans dug it too much but Jamie Lee Curtis just said hey you know what it's been 20 years I think it'd be interesting to get everybody back together and do a new movie and uh, and they decided that uh, they would go ahead and do it now John Carpenter was originally going to come back and I'll tell you if John Carpenter have come back I honestly probably would put this as my favorite of the series but there's a lot of problems with this film uh, don't get me wrong it's a really good film but it's not better than part 2 Okay, it's basically in this order. Part one is the best, part two is the second best, and H2O would follow in number three steps. And I'll go into details in regards to why um, it's not as good as part two and uh, why it's better than the rest of the series that came before it. Uh, and, and like I said, there's a lot of things I like about Halloween 4 and Halloween 5, even Halloween 6, but there's a lot of problems and it gets worse. Uh, Halloween 4 is pretty solid, but part 5 it starts to get bad and then part 6. So finally when you get H2O, here's kind of the thing. H2O was supposed to be the end of the series. You know, basically have everybody come back uh, from the original cast, which would be Laurie Strode, John Carpenter, and, uh, you know, have the nurse come back because Donald Pleasance had passed on at that point in time. And basically end the series, you know, be its original title was Halloween 7, The Revenge of Laurie Strode. But uh, after some rewrites and stuff, because basically Kevin Williamson, uh, writer of Scream, is the one that helped write this film. And uh, it's very reminiscent of Scream. And I'll point those parts out to you that are reminiscent to Scream. But the film was in fact directed by Steve Miner. Because what happened with the fallout of John Carpenter is he was all ready to do it, you know, running in, he was in the running to be the director but he wanted to get uh, $10 million, which was his fee, which was a starting fee as a director, and he felt that it was earned based on the fact of um, he, you know, he rationalized, he rationalized this because he believed the hefty fee was compensation for revenue he never received from the original Halloween. And due to Mustafa Khad, you know, having problems with John Carpenter, still after 20 years, Carpenter got pissed, walked away from the project, and therefore uh, we don't get the great, we don't get a film that could be as great as it would have been if John Carpenter had come back and put his little touch on things. Uh, I mean, even with the different director of part two, John Carpenter still had his hand on it, and it felt more part one-ish than any other film in the rest of the series. So basically, here's the deal. This film came out uh, in 1998, again, 20 years later, because the original was 1978, and this is 20 years later, so 1998. Uh, technically, the seventh installment of the film. Supposedly, it uh, disregards 4, 5, and 6. Technically speaking, it doesn't, though. That's what they want you to think, but it doesn't, especially if you do some research on this film. Um, and the reason 
uh, and again, I'll get into that in a minute. But basically, uh, it's directed by Steve Miner. He's the one that was uh, that basically replaced John Carpenter. We have Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, uh, who's Laurie Strode. Josh Hartnett. Uh, Hartnett. Uh, this is his first movie. You're probably going to know him from like the Faculty, uh, Pearl Harbor. Um, he, his hair is really messed up. Uh, he does a pretty decent job. Uh, he's not the greatest actor in the world, but he's not real crappy either. He he does he gets the job done. Michelle Williams. Now Michelle Williams uh, obviously is on um, was on Dawson's Creek, which Kevin Williamson was the writer of that show. So that's kind of how she got her foot in the door. Uh, she eventually married Heath Ledger. Um, and she's currently going to be playing Marilyn Monroe. Now, Michelle Williams is actually a really good actress. At first, she was real stale and dry. Just, ugh, I just couldn't stand her. But as time has gone on, and I've watched her in, in, in different roles, I've seen her maturity come around. And uh, I'm pretty excited watching her lately. She's pretty good. But uh, the screenplay, based on a story by Kevin Williamson, uh, which basically was further developed by Robert uh, Zapia. He kind of, you know, Williamson had the outline and Robert basically took it and added some stuff. Now the dialogue is uh, very screamish. I mean, obviously Kevin Williamson wrote this movie. He wrote Scream. Uh, we actually get some Scream references. They play Scream 2 during the film. The flipping music from Scream is in this film, okay? Let's just talk about the music real quick. The music sucks in this film, okay? They try to take the John Carpenter music and try to make it more orchestra style. Now, don't get me wrong. I love orchestra. Uh, most of the time, it can actually make a song better by adding the classical feel. I mean, just take Metallica's, uh, take Metallica when they perform with the orchestra. I mean, that was a flipping amazing album. Good stuff. Uh, you know, Pillar does a lot of uh, music with an orchestra. Same thing with Skillet. They do the same thing. I love rock and roll uh, or any kind of music that mixes orchestra. But this Halloween theme and the music that was done, just I'm not a fan of. It's really a weak point in the film, especially considering the fact they flip and put scream music uh, in the film. Absolutely stupid idea. And I, I mean, scream music is good. Don't get me wrong. Scream music fits with scream. Scream music does not fit with Michael Myers in the Halloween series. It's like putting Star Wars in a Star Trek film. You just can't do that, okay? They're in the same genre of film, but two completely different series. It doesn't work. Same thing with this. Scream music does not work in Michael Myers' films. But uh, as I said, um, the film takes place 20 years after the events of the original films, and it centers on a post-traumatic Laurie Strode living in fear of her brother who's gonna, who she thinks is going to come back and kill her after all these years. Now, I did mention how they want you to think it doesn't uh, take 4, 5, and 6 into play. Number one, in the script, uh, originally what happened is, is Laurie, because um, Laurie is actually, she's changed her name, um, she's now um, uh, Carrie Tate, and she is I, not really a principal, but she's basically like a dean of a boarding school. She's like the um, she's like the headmistress of a, of Hillcrest Academy High School. It's a private boarding school, basically. And somebody does a report on on murders and stuff, and Jamie Lloyd. Um, paper is given into her and she finds out that Jamie Lloyd was killed by Michael Myers and she goes in the bathroom and she throws up that was originally in the script it was filmed and then cut later to 
get rid of four, five, and six. However, in the opening credits, they show scenes. And now, opening credits, I mean, there's actually a, a scene for the first time ever. We don't have the pumpkin, and we actually have a scene take place before we actually get the title card and the names and everything. But during the actual credit sequence, they show you different um, newspaper clippings, and one of them is scissors that was used to kill uh, Rachel in Halloween 5 and um, a couple other things from Halloween 4 are seen in there so if you're looking for it you can place the connection between 4, 5, and 6 in this film if you're really trying to ignore it uh, and you're not looking for it you can get away with it so technically speaking you could make it a trilogy and just do 1, 2, and H2O and call it a day or if you really want to have the continuation if you're looking for it it's there so it's up to you and how you want to look at the series but I wanted to point those out to you uh, those are facts and if you don't believe me watch the Halloween 25 years of terror they talk about it uh, in, in those films and also um, I've read it like I said Halloween's my favorite series I've studied all the details I mean, it, it's, it was my life. I mean, that's all I did was want to find out the most recent information. A um, couple different things um, that I don't like about this film uh, before I get into the whole story and stuff. The, my biggest problem with this film, um, and it's a huge, huge problem, and that's the mask. And I didn't say mask. I said mask. There were flipping five different masks for, or sorry, four there were four masks for this film, okay? Uh, in the very beginning of the film, the mask looks good. It looks almost like the Halloween 6 mask, which the Halloween 6 mask was a million times better than number 4 because number 4 is by far the worst mask, okay? Number 5 was alright, way better than 4, but it had a big neck. Number 6 was pretty was a better representation of how the Halloween mask should look, but it had its problems. Now technically the H2O mask is the worst especially the real blank pale there's this one scenes I'll point out they're atrocious actually the they're almost as bad as the Halloween 4 mask um, real bad but like I said the first time you see Michael Myers on screen the mask looks good but uh, people were pissed when they saw when they had a screening of this thing so what they eventually did is they CGI'd the rest of the film because uh, they couldn't reshoot these scenes, so they CGI'd and replaced the mask frame by frame on a bunch of scenes. But since I'm a stickler for the mask, I'm going to point out all the scenes where the mask completely is stupid, ridiculous, and looks like crap. Now, I know you're saying, Mike, chill out. It's just a flipping mask. But you know what? That's like saying, you know, Freddy Krueger is your favorite, and he walks around with three knives instead of four. It's obvious. It's painful to watch. And there's a lot of people that feel the same way I do about the mask. Other people that don't really give a crap about Halloween probably aren't going to notice it. And you're going to enjoy this film a lot more. Now, the times where the mask looks really good, especially towards the end of the film, um, the CGI mask does look good. But the problem with it is, is the eyes are too big. If they had made the eyes smaller, it would be a pretty good representation of the Halloween 2 mask. It would look almost like it the best time it looks like it is at the very end of the film when it's Laurie uh with Michael Myers pinned down 
Um, that's when the mask looks the absolute best, especially the way his head is positioned. It looks exactly like the Halloween 2 mask. Again, the eyes are too big and you can actually see his eyes. But that's the low point of the film for me. Um, there's no big plot hole in regards to timing, like with Halloween 1 with like how he got his mask and stuff. The movie flow is pretty good. The story is pretty tight. Uh, again, it's pretty simple, uh, which I'll get into in just a minute here. But the mask and the music uh, are the two biggest things. And the music is your, one of your most important elements in the film. And when I'm thinking of Scream, when I'm, when I'm seeing Michael Myers, it takes me out of the film pisses me off okay the mask when the mask looks atrocious it takes me out of the film so basically here is the kind of the outline of the film what happens uh the movie starts off uh which i like on thursday october 29th which is obviously three days before halloween and the reason why they do that is they actually show up um well the movie starts off with mr sandman again creepy reminiscent of part two where the song take, where that song was originally introduced, and again, I like the fact that it's uh, introduced on 10:29:98 because of the fact of you know that something's going to happen within the next three days, and uh, we get uh, the introduction of uh, Nancy Stevens, and Nancy Stevens um, is the actress who is playing Marion Chambers, and Marion Chambers is Dr. Sam Loomis's colleague, um, and she returns to her house to find out that it's been broken into. Now, before entering, what she does is she goes next door to two teenage neighbors. Now, the cool thing is one of the teenage neighbors is Jimmy Howell, who's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Now, obviously, you're going to know who he is. I mean, he's pretty flippin' famous. First movie I saw him in was 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, excellent film. Not a chick flick. Let me just throw that out there. Very good film. Excellent soundtrack, by the way. Uh, he's more famous now, especially doing um, Inception and 500 Days of Summer. Uh, he did G.I. Joe just for fun. Um, he's in a new movie with Seth Rogen where he shaves his head. And, uh, and he's going to be in The Dark Knight Rises. But uh, he's pretty cool. Uh, kind of young still. Uh, what's really cool uh, is he first time you see him he's kind of wearing uh, a hockey mask kind of to make fun of it doesn't look like Jason Voorhees mask but it's pretty evident that hey he's wearing a hockey mask kind of cool and uh, Jimmy says that he'll check out the house make sure everything's cool and uh, they they build up suspense pretty good making you think that oh he's gonna go into a room Michael Myers is there uh, good stuff um, but what happens is Jimmy doesn't find nothing, lets you know where everything's cool, but when he got scared, uh, he took his hockey stick and messed up her kitchen, so um, he blames, because uh, her office is actually right, the house looks good, but when he went in the office, the office is all trashed, so when he jacked up the kitchen, he said, oh yeah, and they messed up your kitchen too, and, and he takes off. So when Marion goes back in her house, that's when we actually see Michael Myers for the first time. And you'll actually see a, a file that says Laurie Strode, which is currently empty. So basically you're getting the premise that Michael Myers found her house, um, broke into her office to get information on Laurie Strode, which is how he's able to figure out where she is because the file had that information. And, uh, and the scene pretty much uh, starts off where... Um, she sees the door open, she figures there's somebody in there, uh, she runs outside, goes next door, and good old Jimmy has his um, his hockey shoes, as I like to say, or, or his skis, shoved through his face. 
Now, you know, this is 1998, so more violence is more crazy. And uh, it, the special effects look pretty good, having the, having the skis go through his face. And his other buddy, uh, who's in the kitchen, she opens a door and she falls on him and Michael Myers shows up. The mask looks really great. If the mask could look like this the rest of the film, I would be super happy because it looks better than the Halloween 6 mask. Uh, it, it, it's almost like Halloween 2 and the Halloween 6 mask. It looks really good. Uh, but here is the big movie mistake. Humongous. Whether or not you are taking into account Halloween 4, 5, and 6, we all know in part 2 that Michael Myers blew up. Okay, He caught on fire. Can someone explain to me why the producers did not know that Michael Myers' hands were not burned? His hands are perfectly fine. Okay, You flip in, made his hands burn in Halloween 4, in Halloween 5, in Halloween 6. You made his hands burn. But for some stupid reason, when you get to H2O and you're canceling out 4, 5, and 6, you don't burn his hands. That was stupid. Uh, did not like that whatsoever. Kind of took me out of the film there. But uh, Michael Myers eventually um, actually kills Marion, you know, slit, slits her throat. Cops show up because what she did is obviously she called the cops earlier to say that her house got broken into. So when the cops show up, Michael Myers has already left, stolen her car, takes off. And uh, and he's on a mission to go find Lori. So the introduction is when the cops go in the house, the uh, the main detective talks about how uh, Michael Myers' body was never found. Now, kind of another mistake they make is the cop specifically points out that Marion Chambers was uh, the caretaker to Dr. Loomis before he died. So that tells you that Dr. Loomis lived like he did in part four and five and six, and she was the caretaker. So they did not cut that out of the film. So that also points to the fact that four, five, and six do exist. But again, if you're really not paying attention and you're not listening for those little one-liners, you can you can see how they're trying to ignore the fact that they don't exist. But I just wanted to point that out to you that if you really wanted it to be connected, it is so easy to connect all the films together. So, uh, and the voiceover, because uh, you know they're doing the credits after they talk about how Michael Myers is still out there and they never found the body. You think it's Dr. Loomis, you think it's Donald Pleasance, but it's actually another voice, uh, it's a voice actor. Uh, sounds really good. Now, at first, I always thought it was Donald Pleasance, but after I read who the voiceover was and I went back and listened to it, I was like, oh, I can totally tell that that's not Donald Pleasance. So, um, here, here's something that's kind of funny, which it's not supposed to be funny, but I laugh every time. When we're first introduced to Lori, uh, which now it's October 31st, 1998, so basically from the 29th to the 31st, he drove all the way from Illinois to California, which that makes sense. Logically speaking, you can drive from Illinois to California in three days. No problem there. But uh, Lori has flashbacks of Halloween 1. She wakes up screaming. Now, Jamie Lee Curtis, I love her. I think she's a great actress. I enjoy her in every movie I've ever seen her in. But I think she kind of, I don't know if she was having a bad day or not, but when she wakes up screaming, it's so laughable. I laugh hysterically, and I know it's not supposed to be funny, but it is. The way she laughs is 
like are you trying to make a joke here or what I don't know what the deal is why she started screaming like that but my kid could scream better than how she's doing so I thought that was a terrible performance when she wakes up and starts screaming but what are you gonna do and uh, you'll eventually obviously know she's faked her death and she's living under the name Carrie Tape, which that all comes into play. And uh, you realize that uh, the boy that helps her get out of bed is her son, John. Um, now, John, uh, currently, uh, which you kind of want to pay attention to, uh, when Lori gets herself together and they go in the kitchen, he opens up a birthday card. It's two months old. So you want to keep in mind that the 17, you know, happy birthday, 17. Uh, his birthday did not just happen, happened two months ago. But uh, what's all going to happen by the end of the film is that Michael Myers, the reason why he comes back now, 20 years later, is he attacked Lori when she was 17. And because of the fact that John is 17, that's why he's come back. So, And John has this premise where they argue throughout the film that Michael Myers is dead and that you're crazy and she knows and she basically go through psychotic episodes where she'll see Michael Myers in the mirror, she'll see him in a window. Uh, you know, real good psychological stuff. They do a really good job with playing with that. Uh, and it's basically just to let you know how messed up she is, but she's trying to deal with it the best she can. I really dig that. Now, Lori has a boyfriend. Um his name is Will, played by Adam Arkin. Um you know, he does a decent job. Uh, I don't really know too many movie of Adam Arkin. This is pretty much the only one I've seen him in. But, uh, you know, uh, like I said, he does the job. Uh, he's basically just, you know, he plays her boyfriend. But it's real secret because he's also, I, I don't know if he's a teacher or, or what. But uh, they don't really get into it too much. But you know he's basically a faculty member. Now, the cool thing is uh, we have Jamie Lee Curtis's mom is actually in this film, Janet Lee. Um, she plays uh, the school secretary, Norma Watson. Uh, now, if you don't know, Janet Lee was in Psycho, and Jamie Lee Curtis' first movie was Halloween, and they play really good homage to Psycho because of the fact they actually have the car used in the film Psycho. Uh, but, you know, of course, the film was in black and white, so when you see the actual car, if you're not really paying attention, you might miss it, but it's the actual car from the film Psycho pretty cool uh she's in about two or three scenes but it's really good chemistry and it's kind of cool when they're next to each other you can really tell that they're mother and daughter so and of course she has the famous line of um you know everybody's entitled to one good scare kind of reminiscent of part one uh kevin williamson's dialogue is really good with the teenagers of course i mean that's kind of his thing is he's i wouldn't say he's dialogue heavy that's more quentin tarantino style but he's definitely aware of pop culture and that kind of thing and you can tell when there's rewrites done because the um, the dialogue will be real smart in some scenes and then in other scenes you're like well why'd you come up with that line that was kind of stupid so I can kind of tell when things are, are not done by Williamson because Williamson is a very talented writer I love his stuff good times now how the plot is basically going to play out for the rest of the film um, you're introduced to your main teenagers you have Josh Harnett um, as I said before plays John you also have Charlie, who's played by Adam Hanberg. I haven't seen him anything. Now, we have Sarah, who's played by Jodie Lynn O'Keefe. Now, she usually plays the the big queen bee in her films. Uh, biggest example of this would be She's All That with Freddie Prinze Jr. and, um, and Rachel Lee Cook. Uh, really good teen movie. I really enjoy that film. But she was like the big... Um, 
most popular girl, the real jerk, but she's very likable in this film. I really dig her a lot. Uh, and at first, I didn't know it was her until after I went back and saw her film history. And I was like, she's an H2O. I was like, oh, she's actually the nice girl. And uh, she, that's Charlie's girlfriend is Sarah. And Molly, who's Michelle Williams, is the girlfriend to, uh, to John. And there's this big, kind of the way they're going to get rid of everybody uh, because they're in a boarding school. They have this big trip. It's called Yosemite. It's kind of where everybody gets to go, uh, the whole school. It's kind of like a big camping trip. They don't really get into it too much. But let's move along to how we get to where we're going to get. Basically, the kids are, your main kids aren't going to be able to go to the Yosemite thing because, number one, uh, Lori Strode won't let John go. Because, you know, she feels that, uh, you know, she's sheltering him because she's very scared, obviously, of Michael Myers, and she needs this one day. And, of course, to him, he goes, I've given you 17 years. Now, each of the kids are trying to get out of it because they want to have their own little get-together. So one of them fakes a fever. The other one forgets to turn in a history test. Uh, financial aid isn't paid. So those kind of things is how they're gonna how they're going to get around to it. Now, uh, one really cool character is Ronnie, who's played by the ever-so-awesome LL Cool J. I flip and love LL Cool J, okay? Uh, not only just because uh, he was one of my favorite musicians, but this guy is awesome. I mean, if you've ever seen uh, NCIS uh, Los Angeles, he's very good, very entertaining. Uh, I love him in a hard way with Michael J. Fox and James Woods. They're playing Mama Sinakia on the dance floor. Really good, excellent time. You know, Deep Blue Sea excellent and uh he's basically the the school security guard now of course kevin williamson changes things up because you know supposedly in a horror film the black guy never makes it through so you know lo cool j is supposed to set up the typical black guy who's going to be killed which later on in the film he doesn't get killed so that's the twist which is pretty flipping cool because I, I just flip and enjoy uh his character every time he's on screen i'm either laughing and what he's doing is he's trying to be a writer uh but his wife's giving him a hard time uh that it's not going to pay the bills it's just a dream so that's kind of his small little story he's got going on but um the guy's knowing that they're gonna skip this Yosemite want to leave the school premise to get some alcohol so they convince Ronnie to let them go but of course Ronnie's like dude last time you escaped I got caught you know your mom's crazy and she threatened that she's gonna take my job so no and uh, of course um, John being the uh, the smart guy gives him a little plan how you just happen to open the door and your back is turned and we just escaped. So, you know, real real funny how the kids get out. Uh, when we actually go back to Michael Myers, we get this really great scene. And this scene is really, really good. It's basically Michael Myers' tire uh, blew up. Uh, you know, I don't know, ran over a nail or something. They don't get into it. But he's basically at this rest stop. So we get this mom and her little girl. Uh, I would say she's probably about... Uh, I want to say like six or seven, roughly. Uh, real cute, and the girl's bathroom is locked, and only the boy's bathroom is open. So she goes in there. She puts a little stone, a big rock, to hold the door open, and uh, and they go to the bathroom. The door closes, and like ah, it's okay. It's just the door. But when she puts her purse down, Michael Myers comes by, grabs the purse because what does Michael Myers need? He needs a flipping car. 
Now, in normal Halloween, if you follow this, anybody who gets Michael Myers' way, he dies. Or they die. But, uh, has Michael Myers ever... Has Michael Myers ever hurt a child? Of course he has. Have you not seen four and five? I mean, he's all after, he's all after. So you're kind of thinking, based on the history of the series, these two are dead. But luckily, uh, it's just kind of building up the tension here. Uh, he just looks back and uh, you know takes the purse, makes sure no one's that they don't leave. And uh, when the girl screams, you think it's because Michael Myers went after her, but it's not. There were spiders in her hair. All they wanted was just her car. Real cool. So it kind of changes the game plan of Michael Myers a little bit where um, they weren't necessarily in his way. They kind of stayed out of his way, which is why he didn't do nothing. So uh, Michael Myers finds his way into town, which of course um, Lori, um, or we could say Carrie, however you want to play it, she rolls into town because she's going out in town with her boyfriend, Will. And, you know, he's also a psychologist. That's, that's, I apologize. That's what he is. He's a flippant psychologist. And uh, she's basically telling that she's not been honest with her life. And do you believe that somebody could go through something so horrible that you never get over it? And a uh, real good scare scene where um, she's drinking wine and a bunch of kids hit the window. And, uh, and it was good because it's a daytime scare. You don't get a lot of daytime scares usually. Um, and you get the sense that Lori is definitely an alcoholic just by her tone, talking to the waiter about get her another one. And she kind of wants to tell her boyfriend what's going on, but, you know, he, he had to leave. And uh, when she leaves the restaurant, she runs into John and her, and her buddy, and his buddy because they were shoplifting to get some alcohol. Because, you know, as, as Charlie pointed out, you know, you could have always stole liquor from your mom. And he's like, well, she's a raging alcoholic. She would totally know. And then we get the, convers the confrontation. And this is the point where Charlie, or not Charlie, but John is basically telling his mom, you know what, Michael Myers is dead. You know, you all you think about is him. I'm not supposed to give you this one day. You know, he's never coming back, you said so yourself. It's, just, it's a really good argument. Uh, I really dig it. Good scene between these two. And um, you're kind of like Lori's getting to her breaking point. And Lori, she's kind of a jerk. I mean, real, I mean, it makes sense because of everything she's gone through. And she's very, very hard on John. But, you know, you kind of don't like Lori for, and that's good because, it, again, you get character development with the character that you've known for two movies. Uh, it's really nice because she realizes how hard she's being on John and she'll eventually turn around and let him go to Yosemite because she realizes she's just been a jerk. And uh, and I really like the fact that they kind of pointed out. Uh, but before she lets John go because, you know, she's, again, uh, as I said, he got caught. She yelled at him and they're like, okay, let's just go back to the school. Michael Myers follows them back to the school. And, you know, Michael Myers has said that the dude's a ninja. He's an assassin. He's planning everything out. He's, he checks everything out. He doesn't just run in and start killing people. As I said, he, he's got everything planned out. You know, that's definitely consistent uh, with the series. So so after they get back to school, uh, we see Lori um, before everybody gets sent off to Yosemite. She's teaching her one class. It, this is reminiscent of part one. Uh, the scene where Michael Myers or Lori first sees Michael Myers is kind of the same setup, the same kind of story being told. Really good, sets up the rest of the story. Uh, Michelle Williams, uh, Molly, looks outside and sees Michael Myers. Okay, the mask, 
This is the this is the crappy mask, the original mask they had that looks atrocious. Uh, it looks just like the Halloween four mask, but bigger eyes. It just it looks disgusting. Um, I can't describe to you how bad this mask looks. I mean, it uh, it's pretty much up there with the with part four's mask. Uh, that's the kind of the first time that you'll see the the, the stupid mask what it looks like. But anyways. Um, when Carrie asked Molly about the actual, you know, the person they're studying, it that's when she responds back how, you know, the main person knows that they have to stop running and to, to finally attack the person that's been going after them. You know, it, it's setting you up for what's going to happen at the end. Really good scene. I dig it a lot. So when the kids are all getting ready to go, you know, everybody's going to get ready to go to Yosemite and they're, they're thinking everything's cool. Lori twists things around and says John can go to Yosemite and of course he makes her think you know great I get to go and they're like great does that mean our plans are blown they're like nope we're you know it's cool so uh before Michael Myers you know before you really see any attacks going on because of course these are your these are your typical teenager kids they're gonna get killed uh but when um when Will, which is Lori's boyfriend, checks up on the kids, checks up on Sarah and Molly, they're watching Scream 2. So I can totally dig that, you know, because Kevin Williamson is the writer of Scream 2. I totally dig that scene, good stuff. Plus it's got Sarah Michelle Gellar, that's the scene they show. Good old Buffy. So I totally dig that. Uh, you know, he basically checks on them, makes sure everything's cool. And that's when they all go away. And, uh, and that's when the killing begins. Michael Myers basically one by one. Uh, well, he starts off with Charlie because Charlie's going to go, um, you know, go to the kitchen. And uh, they make you think he's going to cut his hand off because the can he has like this uh, can opener kind of thing or like a knife. And it falls in this garbage disposal. And they make you think if he sticks his hand down there, it's going to get cut. Well, Michael Myers is actually uh, behind him. Now... Again, uh, the the regular mask that you see throughout the film is in the first time he shows up. But when Charlie turns around and they do a close-up, that's where you see the horrible mask. And it looks even worse because they they put purple like highlights on his cheekbones. So not only does it look real, not only is it bad, but it looks horrible. I mean, where the scene where the mask is bad it's pure white but the eyes are super super big and uh it just it doesn't even look like michael myers but this time they put purple on it so it looks atrocious now sarah's death is pretty crazy because her leg gets caught in an elevator now the reason why she goes in an elevator is she was basically waiting for charlie she goes looking for him finds his body and gets attacked by michael myers she climbs into the elevator and, you know, at that time, Michael Myers actually cuts her leg. And uh, what does he do? He starts cutting the rope so that way when she crawls out of the elevator, it falls on her. Which, it, she gets out, you think, just in time, but it falls right on her flipping leg. And uh, it almost it almost decapitates her ankle uh, from her leg. I mean, it, her ankle and her foot are just kind of hanging there. It looks really disgusting. Now, this time... Michael Myers, you know, finds her. And what does he do? He stabs her in the head like seven times. I mean, talk about overkill. Michael Myers never did this crap before. So, of course, uh, they got to they up, the, uh, up the ante, as they say, you know, from the Scream 2 rules of there's always more carnage and the body count is always bigger. But 
uh, and he stabs her in the face that many times you're like, oh my gosh, it's crazy. So finally, um, you know, John and Molly uh, go down to check on him. They find Charlie and Sarah, and that's when they see Michael Myers, and Michael Myers goes after him. The mask looks good, except uh, when um, they go, they leave, they actually get out of the building, and they're going to go down the stairs. So Michael Myers sits at the top of the stairs. You get the atrocious mask. So Michael Myers goes down. Now, the reason why this scene is pretty cool is um, he while he's chasing them he stabs flipping um john in the leg but that's before john got a chance to punch him in the face and then you know molly hits him in the back so it's like these kids are they actually stand up to michael myers versus the other guys in the in the series so that scene was really cool i really dug it uh again the mask looks good until john and molly are um they go to like this gate and they're, the door is locked, so they need the keys to open it, but Molly dropped it. So Michael Myers actually um, takes the keys because, you know, they've, they've locked the gate. And, uh, and they're kind of screwed because at this point, their only way out is a locked door. And the keys to unlock the door, Michael Myers has. And Michael Myers is using every key he can to unlock the gate so he can kill him. And the mask looks really bad here as he's trying to stab them uh, through the gate with the knife. And then he realizes, hey, I got keys here. Let me go ahead and open it up. But of course, they're saved in time when Lori shows up to unlock the door. And then you uh, then you get the, same, the famous scene you've seen in the trailers where they look at each other. Now, if you look on the back of the box, uh, that scene is on the back of the box where Laurie and Michael Myers look at each other. And that picture is the original mask, the the one that looks horrible. Uh, and then when you see it in the film, it's the CGI mask where, again, the mask looks good except the eyes are too big and you can actually see his eyes. Versus in the other films, you you really... The whole purpose was not to see Michael Myers' eyes. It was just to be black. So that's kind of what takes the effect away this time with the mask, is the fact that you see Michael Myers' eyes, and it kind of takes you out of the mask. Because I would say if the eyes were a little bit smaller and you couldn't see his eyes, the mask would look really, really good. It would be almost as good as the Part 2 mask. But because of the fact that the eyes are big and you can see them, it kind of makes the mask look less cool. So, but it is a really cool scene when Laurie and Michael are staring at each other. It's like, oh, I finally found you. So, um, you get uh, some really good stuff coming up. Now, uh, what's really cool is as um, they're trying to escape from Michael Myers, um, Lori does something that she did in the first one. Uh, she says, you know, she puts the kids in the closet and she says, do as I say, which is what she said to the kids in the first one is do as I say. She'll actually say it again later in the film. So again, reminiscent of part one, I thought that was really cool. And it's basically so Lori and her boyfriend Will can go hunt down Michael because this time Lori's got her flipping gun. I mean, Lori is ready to take on take on the fear. And you're probably wondering, well, how the hell did Lori know that John had not gone to Yosemite? Well, what happens is um, when they're together, when Lori and Will are together to kiss in, and uh, she basically like, you, do you want to hear the story about uh, you know the stuff I've been keeping? you know not telling you about and that's when she tells a story about how her brother killed her sister and at first he thinks it's a joke because he's like oh yeah i know this story but when he finally realizes she's telling the truth and that she's actually laurie strode 
um, she's like, how long have you held this in? You know, for 17 years. And he's like, well, why do you think he's after you now? Uh, and that's when she sees the birthday card. Because he says, well, how old were you? She goes, 17. And that's when she realizes that's why Michael Myers is going to be back. Because she was 17 and he's 17. So she puts it, even though she hasn't seen Michael Myers yet, she knows he's back just because of the fact of it doesn't seem right. So she goes into John's room, realizes his stuff's there, and she's like, somebody didn't go to Yosemite. What does she do? She pulls out her gun from under her bed, and she goes out and runs into LL Cool J, who is knocking at the door to let her know that, hey, the gate's been open. There's some strange car there. And that's when Lori finally is turned into Terminator mode. She's no longer the scared virgin that you've seen her before. She's now faced her fears and she's ready to take on Michael again the revenge of Laurie Strode starts to kick in here so she realizes again that John is not uh, gone to Yosemite and she figures he's got to be around campus somewhere and that's how um, she'll find him unlock the door and then she tells the kids to hide so as she's about ready to confront Michael Myers a dude comes out now keep in mind this this is bad editing because uh, in the shadows, the guy walking is the guy who plays Michael Myers. But then the next scene, it's LL Cool J. What they want you to think is is that now Lori didn't shoot LL. Um, it was uh, it was her boyfriend Will shot Ronnie, and uh, you know they want you to think he's dead. But of course, Michael Myers comes out from the door behind and stabs her boyfriend. Now it's the same scene as Part Two, where um, what happens in Part Two when Michael finds finally finds Lori in the hospital he stabs a nurse in the back and then picks picks her up and her feet are dangling and then her shoes fall this time he does the same thing but to her boyfriend he stabs him in the back picks him up and he's dangling and then he lets him fall so Michael Myers is going after Lori this time and she kind of outsmarts him uh, he thinks he's, she's in the closet. She comes out behind him, hits in the back of the head, and Michael Myers just keeps on coming. She eventually gets the kids out of the closet. They're going to try to escape. And, uh, of course, uh, Michael Myers, um, you know, he, you think he's going to get him, but they get in the car right away, just in enough time. She gets to the gate, tells the kids to, you know, go down and see what's whatever their name is, just to remind you of the first one where she tells... Uh, you know, Lindsay, Tommy, you know, to go down to the, you know, to the Jones house and call 911, tells them the same thing. But this time she's like, do as I say, you know, so that line comes in again, but she closes the gate, smashes it with the rock and she, uh, she kicks, well, she hits with her shoulder glass to get an ax. And this time she screams Michael. And we finally get the Halloween music. Because at this point, they kind of tease you with the theme. They play a little bit here, a little bit there. But it's got the orchestra sound. This time you actually get the full-blown John Carpenter's uh, theme that you're used to. Now, it's not the Halloween 2 real gothic version. It's the original version from the film. But keep in mind, it's not the exact same version. It still has a little bit of the orchestra in there. We don't actually hear the full-blown original version until the credits. But it's still cool. It kind of puts you in the moment where Lori's on the hunt take out Michael Myers. Now, the last 20 minutes of this movie is excellent. Basically, uh, she tries looking for Michael Myers. She goes down the same hall that L. O. Cool J was shot. What does Michael Myers do? With one arm, the dude slowly comes down like a ninja, and then he drops to the floor. And Lori's 
shoves an axe in his arm uh, and then she kicks him in the balls but nothing nothing stops him and he stabs her in the same place he stabbed her in part one when she fell down the stairs and broke her uh, broke her foot so that was flipping cool I love that callback that was excellent and basically Lori just tries out smart Michael and uh, at one point she stabs him a whole bunch of times he goes falling you think he's dead but guess who's alive Ronnie's there to save the day and stop her from stabbing Michael Myers in the face because we all know you gotta stab Michael Myers in the face it's the only way that you're gonna flip and kill the dude okay um, but what happens is he actually gets top he's on like this balcony she stabbed him multiple times and he topples over kind of supposed to remind you of the first film when he gets killed so you kind of think the movie's over Michael Myers gets put in the ambulance and they throw him in the back of the truck and Lori, she ain't falling for that. What does she do? She flipping hijacks the 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 corner truck. Okay, she's gonna take Michael Myers out for a spin, and she's gonna take care of him herself. Now, uh, I want to bring something up real quick because I know I'm not gonna talk about it till later. But supposedly, um, how they're gonna do this? Because uh, I don't know. I guess I guess I'll give it away. But if you don't know. By the end of this, Lori cuts off Michael Myers' head because that's the only way you're going to kill Michael Myers is to separate his head. Well, supposedly, in the one that happens after this resurrection, Michael Myers supposedly knew that he was going to get killed So because he's psychic. Uh, because why else would he, when he got stabbed by Lori and fell off the balcony, he crushes a paramedic's larynx and changes his clothes and puts on his mask and the guy that Lori killed was a paramedic. Okay, here's why this doesn't play out, okay? Because when Lori's driving, she's waiting for Michael Myers to wake up because she knows he's going to wake up. His hands come out of the body bag. He sits up. What does he do? He runs and attacks her. She slams on the brake. Michael Myers goes flying through the windshield. And what does he do? He rolls over and sits up. Okay, if you're a regular human being and you fly through a windshield, you ain't going to get up right away. You're going to flip and lay there and probably die, okay? But what does he do? He sits up. He stands up. Lori, she's waiting for him to stand up and she hits the pedal to the floor. She slams into him. Michael Myers is now hanging out of the front of the truck or the van. They go over a cliff, okay? The, The van is just flipping over and over Michael Myers is flipping and he finally crashes into a tree and the flipping van crushes the back of him so he's basically pinned between the van and a tree now if you got slammed by a van you would be dead now Michael Myers it makes sense why he's not dead but if this is supposedly a a paramedic the dude flipping would have died a long time ago. So that's why it's a total ridiculous way of bringing back Michael Myers when this is clearly the intention is to take out Michael Myers, okay? Because uh, this is Michael Myers. This is the dude that's getting flipping, you know, all this crap done to him, and he's still not dead. So Lori wakes up from, you know, going through the, the crazy tumbling grabs the axe and she talks to Michael she's like Michael Michael and he grabs his head he's kind of like okay I still have the mask on I'm still alive and he looks at Lori what does he do he sticks his hand out to her it's kind of like okay is he really trying to to reach out to her or is he trying to trick her Lori thinks the same thing she takes the axe and cuts off his flipping head now in the theater when I first saw this my mouth hit the floor 
because I'm like, holy crap, they just killed Michael Myers. Because, you know, in my head, I always thought as a kid, the only way you're going to kill Michael Myers is if you cut off his flipping head. But no one has the balls to do it. Well, in this movie, they did. They had the balls to do it because it's 20 years later. This is the anniversary movie. And they're going to end this sucker. And you know what? If this movie was the last flipping Halloween movie, it would have taken a series that started off great, got crappy, and uh, the waves just went they were, you know, it just started crashing down. And then Halloween H2O brought the series back up and would have ended the series great. But instead they had to uh, piss on everything that had been the whole Laurie Stroh character. And they bring her back in the next one for like 10 minutes, which I'll get into that in the next episode. But it just really sucks that they had to basically take everything that you experience in this film and slap you in the face and say, hey, guess what? Uh... Michael Myers is alive because we fooled you and uh, it was a paramedic and we're going to kill Lori. Now, I, I don't mind Lori dying because, you know, uh, it's kind of like the Scream movies. You know, Sydney, you're thinking, you know, she can only make it through so many movies. It's just the way that they kill her in the next one is what really ticks me off and I'll get into that later. But, uh, overall though, uh, this was an excellent way to end the series and you have the Halloween music playing. As I said, as a kid, I'm like, holy crap, they can never bring back Michael Myers. I was like, you know what? It's fine. I really enjoyed this movie. It was good. So, um, oh, I did want to mention before, um, when he's, when Michael, when she's trying to run away from Michael Myers before she stabs him and he goes toppling over the balcony, there's this really cool scene where she's hiding under the tables and he walks and starts flipping the tables, you know, just to show you how pissed off he is. That scene was originally meant for Halloween 4, but they never had a chance to film it and Mustafa Khan liked it so much, he put it in this film. So I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, now, when Lori, she actually stabs Michael Myers after the ta after he flips the tables, she stabs him with like a flagpole. That's where the crappy mask is shown. And then it goes back to the mask that you see throughout the rest of the film. So, um, overall, that is, uh, that's it for Halloween H2O. Now, this movie um, was financially successful. It had a budget of $17 million. Box office records were $55 million. Um, it, the reception was pretty mixed. It has a rating of 53%. Um, the general consensus is that it's um, the finest of the sequels since Halloween 2, which I agree with that statement. I think Halloween 2 is the best sequel, and H2O would follow that. Uh, it would go in order. Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and H2O. All perfectly uh, good movies in their own sense, and they would follow in that particular order. Um, H2O uh, was the highest grossing film in the series. Uh, is the second in the overall franchise behind Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of the original, and uh, you know, and also on TNT, they do have like some TV scenes, but it's not nearly as different as Part Two. Um, so my overall, um, I really enjoyed the film. I like Kevin Williamson's writing. Uh, I like the callbacks to the original. Uh, really good. Um, but it doesn't have the John Carpenter feel, which I think if John Carpenter had come back, he would have really cleaned some things up, added some really cool camera effects. The director did a good job of what he had. Uh, outside of the very big, 
beginning laughable scene with Laurie Strode. Um, you know, Jamie Lee Kirsten, excellent job. She totally took the character to a new level. Uh, she was a complete douche and then was totally redeemable and you loved her at the end. You were going with her. And even when she was a douche, you totally understood where she was coming from because if that was you, you'd probably act the same way too. So I totally dig Laurie Strode. Um, the teenagers were, were way better than the teenagers we got in the other films. Um, LL Cool J was good times. Uh, the guy playing Michael Myers wasn't stiff. He was pretty cool. Uh, he was kind of short. But overall, he did a really good job as Michael Myers. The music was atrocious. Again, it, it was really took me out of the film. Uh, that Those scenes where the mask was completely different took me out of the film. Um, but outside of that, uh, the story was really good. Everything made sense. There wasn't a huge timeline problem. Uh, I would I would say the movies um, uh, again, um, you know, if I was to say Halloween one was a four and a half five star film, I gave Halloween two one star below because of the issues I had, but it was still good. So let's just say I gave Halloween five stars. Halloween two would be four stars. H two O would be like a, a half star below that, like a three and a half, because the film was really really good, really enjoyable. It was fun, but with the problems I had with the mask. And uh, the problems I had with the music taking me out, I couldn't give it anything higher than a three and a half. But it's a very enjoyable sequel, and again, it's a very it's a very great anniversary film, and really uh, would have ended this series on a super high note. Uh, I highly recommend this film. Um, if you're going to see any of the Halloween, I'd see one, two, and then CH2O and call it a day. And that's pretty would be the end of the Laurie Strode uh, story. You don't need to see the next one, how they kill her off. It's pointless. Skip that. Just watch these three films and you'll get the story of Laurie Strode. Uh, excellent trilogy uh, in that aspect. So if you if you can forgive the whole mass thing, um, like, you know, I know most people would have, but because I'm such a stickler for the mask and it really bothers me, it really lowers my score. But probably the majority of people will give this like a four-star rating. But due to my issues with the music and, and the mask, it, I had to drop it at a half star than what the normal consensus would be on this film. So that is my review of uh, H2O. So um, if you want to write in, I didn't get any emails this time. Um, you can write in the Sweep Delay Podcast, Yahoo.com. You want to follow me on Twitter. It's at uh, STL Podcast on Twitter. Uh, again, remember, uh, you follow me, I'll follow you. That's how it works. Don't forget to vote on what movies you want to hear next for the rest of October. So let's go ahead and get into the movie. Uh, not the movie. <laughs> let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. Okay, so for the music spotlight this week, I wanted to pick a song that was pretty flippin' fun. Uh, this song is played in a lot of sporting events, uh, really good times. The reason why I dig this song, um, which I'll tell you in a second what it is, is um, the drummer is actually sings this song. Now, I'm a drummer. Well, I should say I was a drummer. Uh, you know, I actually, uh, you know, back in the day, um, me and my bunch of friends, uh, you know, <laughs> I was kind of a rapper, you know, but I was kind of a lame rapper. And uh, I was like, well, because I couldn't sing, you know, but I was like, hey, I can rap, you know, it's all good. Uh, but my friends got into, you know, music and stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't know how to play guitar. And they're like, well, if you want to be a part of it, you got to learn to play an instrument. I'm like, well, I'll just play the drums. So I got a crash course on the drums. And uh, within about uh, three months, we all got together. My one friend was a huge Metallica fan. And uh, he would actually take. Uh, 
Metallica songs and play them backwards to get really cool licks. And I was like, man, that's awesome. My other friend who was, his, who was the lead singer was a really good writer. My my best friend was the bass player. So at first we all completely sucked. But uh, we did pretty good. So uh, one day for like uh, for my church and stuff, we... Um, we took some of the some of the church songs, and uh, and we remade them, and we made them like this rock and roll stuff, but with like Metallica backwards riffs and stuff. And these are all songs that like elderly people and stuff are singing. It was kind of like at a church picnic and stuff, and uh, it was really cool to do that. And I actually have a video of that up uh, on my on my YouTube channel because my YouTube channel is Mike Mac twelve ten. Uh, I have little spies on there. It'll have the sweep delay background, but the first video is me and my friends. So if you do watch it, don't make fun of me because you know, again, we were only together for three months, but we we came together to to make this song. I thought it came out really good. So ever since then, you know, I've loved drumming. Um, I I can I can hear you know certain music tracks, and I can like, oh, I I would know how to play that and stuff. Uh, by no means am I an excellent drummer, but I'm pretty good to get around. And uh, and this song, when I always listen to it, I always think, man, you know, if this was me, I could, if I knew how to sing, I could totally do this song. It's from the, um, I'm sure you know it. It's called, it's from the Romantics. It's what I like about you. Really cool, upbeat, fun song, and uh, you know, good times. Again, always here for sporting events. But the thing I love is the fact that the singer is actually the drummer that's singing this song. And it's like, man, being a drummer, I wish I could do that. So I, I totally, you know, I'm sure you've heard the song before. But sit back, relax, check it out, have a good time. So that's going to be pretty much it, guys. Um, next episode will be the remainder of the Halloween series. Now, uh, it's not going to be, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each movie. Uh, it's just going to be like maybe 10 minutes on each movie, 10, 15 minutes the most. I am going to talk about Halloween 666, the producer's cut. Um, there's, um, you know, it's really hard to find. Um, and I'll get into all that because I have a bunch of movies I want to review. So I'm going to try to keep it about 10 minutes a movie. Uh, try to keep the episode less than an hour long. And then after that, whatever you guys vote on the Facebook page are the next two movies that I'm going to do for the rest of October. And then you also get The Crow. So that's it, guys. Um, I've had a great time talking some H2O. Uh, I hope you guys have a good week. And, uh, and be on the lookout because uh, later this week you should get the, the rest of the Halloween series, if not the beginning of next week. So you guys take care. This is Masuda Sao.